Let's go there. I, I'm, I'm gonna let's go there. So, so who do you give? Who gets the most credit for the Seahawks' success so far this season? Mike Solari. Russell Wilson one. Mike Solari one point zero one, right next to him. Okay. And who hired Mike Solari? Who hired Tom Cable? How many Super Bowls have the Seahawks won? How many Super Bowls should the Seahawks have won without Tom Cable? Well, so let, let, let's go with how many how many Super Bowls have the Seahawks actually played in as a franchise? That's an answerable question. Three. Three. And how many of those Super Bowls was Tom Cable the coach for, the offensive line coach for? Two. So two out of the three Super Bowls the Seahawks have played, Tom Cable was the, the, the offensive line coach. And you're saying that hiring him makes Pete Carroll – Mm, yes yes i mean maybe hiring him is okay but keeping him around for as long as he did is flawed yes when they went to two straight super bowls and won one of them you're blaming that's or hold up you're giving tom cable the credit for those two super bowls didn't say that you're, you're saying that that he should have fired him right that's correlation, not causation. That's like saying, because I pooped 15 times a week in 2014 and 2015, the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl. That It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't cause each other. You're, you're answering the wrong question. You're answering a different question. I'm not saying that the reason they went to the Super Bowl is Tom Cable, but he certainly wasn't keeping them from getting there. Oh, yeah. And you're saying, you're, you're saying that Tom Cable should have been fired, right? Yes. And you're saying... So you're saying that after going to two straight Super Bowls, they should have fired Tom Cable. I would have to go and look exactly where his offensive lines were ranking. But from what I remember off the top of my head, his passing, his pass protection numbers have been consistently god-awful. Yep. And what you expect in an offensive line coach is somebody who can provide both. No, but let's get specific, Evan. If you're, if you're really going to take Pete's task here, yeah. when, when should he have fired Tom Cable? And for like, with what cause? I'll give you my answer. That's actually a really good question. And I would have fired Tom Cable after the 2016 season. That, that was my answer. That's when you can see it was gone. I have no problem saying that. Absolutely. They should have been gone. Was that after the Jermaine Ifedi pick? Yes. 2015 started really bad after they traded Unger, but they solved it in the second half of the year. So it would have been a weird firing. Like you said, Brian, it kind of started with the Jimmy Graham issues, though. Well, like, so don't change the subject, though, dude. So where would you have fired Tom Cable? Split decision between 2015 and 2016. Okay. So uh, he's a couple years late. So you're saying, you're saying if they had fired Tom Cable at that point, that the Seahawks would have gone back to the Super Bowl in 2016 or 2017? 2016 was the year Russell Wilson went lights out. Is that right? Yeah, he no, got hurt that year. He got hurt the first game. But he he had that like eight game stretch where it was insane. No, it was 2015. It was 2015. The last eight games of 2015. I I don't you know it gives me no pleasure, maybe a little bit of pleasure to to like burst your bubble here, but like Pete Carroll was loyal, loyal to a fault. He should have, as far as I'm concerned, he should have fired Daryl Bevel after the Super Bowl. I I came out, I wrote that the next day. I believe that to this day. 
I think it was the wrong thing. It would have been the, it, would, it was the wrong thing for the locker room for them to keep him around. He's loyal to a fault. He jumped in for, he took, he took daggers. And then guess what? He hired Mike Solari. And I think every single person that's a Seahawks fan believes that's been one of the biggest positive impacts to this team. And let's talk about Russell Wilson. Is Russell Wilson having his best year? Second best year? Where would you rank Russell Wilson's year so far statistically? You can't have it both ways. No. Is he playing well or is he not? No, he is playing well. He's playing really well. I just don't know to, whether to name it like first or second. Probably second. Yeah, 2015, I feel like he was. His first eight games horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Last eight games, though, I mean, 24 TDs and one interception yeah. is like ridiculous. Yeah. Right? But it's not, I mean, for the whole season, you could maybe this is his most. Other than the first two games, his most consistent season is definitely his higher. He's already at his highest pass rating. If he, this holds up, he's going to have his most touchdown passes. If this holds up, yeah, like he's having his best red zone season. I think he's having his best third down season. I haven't looked back recently, but let me put it this way: I have an answer to your first question, Brian. If Mike Solari is the offensive line coach last year, the Seahawks make a deep playoff run. A deep That's not a Super Bowl, dude. Come on. I mean, potential Super Bowl. You can't guarantee a Super Bowl. Okay, there's I mean they're Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. Yes. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Evan, I want you to make your original point on Pete Carroll, though. I think we've gone away from that. My well, I guess my original point was I if you if you list like the top three, four, maybe he comes in at five. If you listen list in like the top three to four reasons that the Seahawks won yesterday, I'm not sure Pete Carroll is on that top four list. I want to clarify early, Brian, earlier, Brian, I take away my words. The Seahawks are winning despite Pete Carroll. I think that was an exaggeration. I think that's untrue. However, I'm not sure he's a large factor towards their current success. In what way? Like, yeah, how, I likely how do you get to that? I mean, do you really think like he, like, okay. So Pete Carroll's known as a defensive mastermind. Uh, we talk all the time about how this defense has a ton of underrated talent in it. Where's, where's, where's Pete Carroll doing his job, right? I don't think that they have underrated, underrated talent. talent. I feel like this is, talent. I think this is the least talented Seahawks defense since 2010. So you're saying Pete Carroll's only good with legit talent then? So is everyone. Dude, he's got. Well, okay, hold on, hold on. Let's Fangio. Go ahead. Vic Fangio is Brian. Brian, you probably think he's the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. He's damn good, yeah. When Vic Fangio took the Bears' job, they were a terrible defense. Now Vic Fangio has Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, Akeem Hicks. They're the top defense. In the NFL, you need blue-chip defensive players to be a good defense. The Seahawks have one, maybe two, and a bunch of average players. I don't think there's any coach in America that can make this a good defense. I really well, don't. Hold on. Hold on. I, I'm being very clear here. The Seahawks defensive line, one of the 10 worst in the NFL from a talent perspective. The yeah, Seahawks linebackers. The Seahawks linebackers are probably one of the five worst, and that's with Bobby Wagner, as good as he is. 
The Seahawks linebackers are probably one of the five worst linebacker crew from a talent perspective. The Seahawks cornerbacks, I would say they're in the middle. They're probably in the middle of the pack. They're definitely not top notch. I would, I, I would put them in the middle. The lower third. And then safeties, dude, they are bot like bottom five to ten um, in safety talent. And yet with that combined defensive talent, which I think is like bottom third of the NFL, they rank eighth in points allowed per game this year. They rank seventh in third down percentage for opponents. They rank, you know, 16th for yards per play, uh, yards per game. They're not good. They're not good. They're bad. But he's finding a way to make something out of them. And part of the way that he makes something out of that defense is he has an identity on offense. They run the goddamn ball. And I don't like this whole thing of like, let's get Russell a volume passing offense. Dude, this team would have three wins. Oh, oh, stop it. Uh, they would. Dude, we were all on this very podcast after week two when this team was 0-2. And guess what? Russell Wilson was passing 60% of the time in neutral script situations, right? Yeah. So, like, they've flipped it to where now they're running 60% of the time in those situations. So you can't tell me. No, I hold up. I, I'm not really disagreeing with you. I completely agree that I am thankful they committed to an identity. I'm glad they did. And I, that's a good thing. I'd rather them not be half and half. But I think this bleeds into the conversation of Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll both have their contract years next year. Russell currently takes up 12 to 13% of the team's cap. Quarterback salaries have continued to expand. We're looking at $35 million a year for Russell Wilson, which is between 18 and 19% of the team's cap. That's a 5 to 6% jump. Every single question, every, every single year, I ask myself this question. Is the team in the best position to win a Super Bowl? And if they aren't, what do they need to do differently and what do they need to change? I do not believe when you answer that question, paying Pete Carroll, extending Pete Carroll, and extending Russell Wilson to a $35 million contract at the same time makes any sense whatsoever. I will tell you right now, the Seahawks, they might win a Super Bowl this year or next year, but when they extend Russell Wilson and he's making 18 19% of the cap, and if Pete Carroll is extended also, the Seahawks will not win a Super Bowl if those two if those two people are around at the same time. I'm yeah, but dude, it, is, it is a total crapshoot to say that that you're going to win a Super Bowl like that. You can be the best team and still not win a Super Bowl. So I don't know that that's really a big take, dude. So what well, I think that Evan has a good point, but I don't think that's the point he was originally making. That's a completely different argument. I think that's very valid. What was my original point that I forgot about? That Pete Carroll isn't contributing to their victories. How many games can you single-handedly say Pete Carroll's contributed to any victory? They're good because they had elite defensive talent and they had Russell Wilson. Pete's a great head coach, but how many games – it's an argue, It's a question you can never answer, right? It's hard to measure, too. Okay, so the four things I look at for a good head coach. One, are they getting the most out of their talent, overall talent? You can argue with Russell because you can definitely make that argument. He's not getting the most out of Russell, but you can definitely argue he is. Brian's done that many times. But in terms of the overall talent, I think he's definitely getting the most. Does the team have an identity? What is the culture of the locker room? And last year, I think that was the worst coaching year, Pete Carroll in Seattle. The culture was bad. He had guys too long. Tom Cable 
He had no identity. They didn't know what they were. They were scrambling around. Their defense was declining. Their, the locker room was toxic. Players were calling it the Titanic. If you want to rip Pete Carroll, that's the year to rip him. This year, I've, I think there's an argument this is the best coaching job Pete's done in a while. A hundred percent. And this is coming from somebody who said after week two that he should be fired by the end of the year, that this was his last year. I, I absolutely believe that was the case. He was doing everything wrong. Everything wrong. Oh, yeah, those were fireable games. And, and now, you know, you could play this multiple ways. Pete Carroll was the guy who actually, like, was high on Chris Carson and wanted them to take a flyer on him in the seventh round. That's a known fact. Like, John Schneider gets credit for these things, but Pete Carroll's been pretty clear. He liked Chris Carson. But then he was going ahead and not letting him play in the game, you know, because he wanted to see Rashad Penny, you know? And, and it was Pete Carroll who was who was actually, and, and actually his sons, who were driving the desire to, to pass the ball so much in the first two games. So he was doing things that were actually hurting the team and keeping them from winning in those first two games. To some extent, I think getting out of the way is part of what's making them win. And so if that's your point, Evan, I get it. But you have to give credit. Being a leader and knowing when to step back and let your, your coaches or players step forward, that's laudable. I think that's a good thing. I don't think – and I do want to talk about your point around this question that keeps going around of if, you know, either Pete or Russell, what the hell? Why does that have to be the, the, the question? Well, I'll tell you why. Because they're both both of their contracts end after 2019, and Russell Wilson is going to want to be paid as the top player in NFL history. Okay, so pay him. Okay, and you're you're okay with that and continuing to play Pete Carroll ball. Continuing to go to the playoffs almost every year and being a Super Bowl contender with well, that's, a not, that's not the question though. Are you going to win a Super Bowl with Pete Carroll on this team and Russell Wilson? making $35 million a year. So let me let me break down my philosophy on this for you, Evan. I th I've seen a lot of coaches come and go. And there are very, very few that are capable of leading a team to a Super Bowl. And an absolute fundamental part of being a Super Bowl coach is having a philosophy that you stick to and an identity that you stick to. Sure. Pete Carroll does something. You also have to have something that you do better than almost anybody else. Okay. I would say Pete Carroll is essentially, if not the best defensive coach in the NFL, he's right up there. Agreed. So I have all the confidence that Pete Carroll is going to be able to go in and continue to get the most out of the defense. I absolutely believe that Pete Carroll will continue to work with John Schneider and play young players, which is another huge advantage for him as a coach that a lot of other coaches don't have, which allows talent to develop faster. And I have a lot of trust in Russell Wilson that he's going to be able to help the offense be as good as possible and, and, and come back. What Pete Carroll doesn't do, he doesn't, he doesn't change his philosophy to try to match the, the new age, you know, trends going on with the offense. I am absolutely, I absolutely believe that the Seahawks can win and win a Super Bowl again. If they go with a strong defense, a tough running game mentality and Russell Wilson as quarterback. So I don't feel the need to replace Russell the only reason I feel a reason to replace Pete is if he's like ready to retire, you know, and, and, and honestly, the biggest criticism I have for Pete is he's not grooming his replacement. Like 
if they've gotten Gus Bradley instead of Ken Norton or someone else to be the defensive coordinator, someone that could take over as head coach, I feel better. It's definitely not Brian Schottenheimer. Actually, I already bought a Mike Solari head coach replacement. <laughs> no, I think I think there are criticisms of Pete that are very fair. His game management is are not good. The over conservative nature. I didn't even love that they went for the field goal at the end by kneeling. But I think so much more of it, and, and I think people look at the in-game management, and that's the only way to judge a coach. And I don't think a lot of people understand the role of a head coach. The head coach, as Brian was saying, a lot of the job is just simply delegating. Yeah, there's a lot of in-game decision making, but how do you, like, just the way to controlling the locker room, um, giving your coordinators leeway to do things. Uh, you're more like a CEO. A lot of the mistakes a lot of fans make, and even NFL teams make this. A lot of people just assume because you're a great play caller, either offensively or defensively, you're going to be a great head coach. But the jobs are so different. A lot of people can – like Wade Phillips is a great example. That guy's been a great defensive coach for, what, 35 years? Yeah. He couldn't cut it. He couldn't do it. North Turner, you saw what he did to Seattle yesterday. He beat the crap out of Pete Carroll. But the guy was a crap head coach. He wasn't the CEO type. Yeah, there are guys I would much rather than Pete with Russell. I'd rather Sean McVay. I'd rather probably Matt Nagy right now. I'd probably rather Andy Reid. But go through the list. There's a, Sean Payton would be a great guy. Well, go that's through the list, man. 